Hello, guys, and welcome to another week of the Midwest Flyways podcast. I'm your host, Joey Vassell, and on my right is Cal Ness. Your other host. My other host. Yeah, your other host. And we have Carter Deny with us today running the boards. Thank you, Carter. Yep. Um, so, so how you been, dude? Dude, I've been good. But you know what I really want to hear is I want to hear that intro music, like, right meow. Yeah, I can't get demonetized from this, boy. Right. Own it. Own it. And if you want this as a ringtone... Email Cal. (laughs) Don't email me. Don't message me. Email Cal. Bring it up, Carter. Let's hear it again. A little more. A little more. And then come and then come back down. Midwestflowers at gmail.com. Midwestflowers at gmail.com. But yeah. No, thank you again for listening to another episode of Midwest Flyways podcast. Cal is trying to touch my piece of paper, and that's unacceptable. I wanted to start the show by talking about one of our sponsors. It is First Light, and what I want to talk to you about with First Light is their durable, rugged wool 2.0. It is durable. It is muy duro, so hard. (laughs) Duro means hard in Spanish for everyone who does not know. So it's really good stuff. It lasts a long time. It's warm. It's just heavy enough to where you know you're going to be insulated for the day. So go check out firstlight.com. Cool. Thank you for that. Uh, Joey, you have a good topic for us? <laughs> stop doing that. Do what? Stop telling, stop announcing that I have a topic. No, we have to start saying each other's names more. Oh. That's been a big comment from people that I've talked to about the podcast. Okay. You guys need you're to, right. you need you're to right. announce you're saying you're right. who you're talking to. Correct. Okay. So, Joey, <coughs> get used to it. Okay. Joey. Cal. Yeah. You have a What's topic? Up? I do have a topic. So think about how much of our money goes into uh, waterfowl production, right? Like 98% of our waterfowl licenses per state goes towards conservation of the animal, right? And so whenever they raise a license fee or anything like that, I honestly don't have a problem with it because I know it's going towards a good thing. It's not going to the people who are trying to write tickets, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. going to the DNR. Only 2% is going to the to the Department of the Interior to pay their salaries and all that. And so 98% of it is going towards the birds themselves. And Sean Weaver posted something today on his Instagram that honestly got me a little fired up. It kind of pisses me off. And the way that he described it was pretty interesting. So there's a place called Swan Lake National Wildlife Wildlife Refuge down in Missouri And it says that the refuge will be suspending its waterfowl hunting program indefinitely due to shortages in staffing and workload demands. So if I were to summarize this, because they don't have enough people to work the park, all of our tax dollars or all of Missouri's tax dollars that went towards that is now just being swept under the rug. Like, oh, actually, now you can't hunt it or fish it. And so, like, they just got $25 million or something like that allocated towards this refuge and they are just suspending it. So due to workload demands, we will be suspending suspending our managed waterfowl hunting program until further notice. And their managed deer uh, squirrel will continue, whatever, all the small game stuff. And Sean says, another day, another faltering refuge makes a guy sick to his stomach to see a systemic failure of our national wildlife refuge system. The U.S. federal government has a, as a whole has completely and utterly failed the folks of the lower Klamath and Tool Lake, Central California. And now it seems to have some contagion. How do you ask hunters for 20 to $25 million in land improvement money and then say you can't even provide staffing for allowing hunting? And then bolt and say, hey, thanks for the cool 20 mil. By the way, we aren't letting you on the place you are paying for anymore. I just find it pretty interesting you need any staff to allow hunting to begin with. Last I checked, I go hunting and fishing without a government official facilitating me quite regularly. I can think of a couple local outfits right in the backyard that would happily do some of the habitat and water management for you so you can keep staffing dedicated to hunting. And if you think about that, dude, it's like... Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah, big time. Like, bullshit. good lord, dude. Yeah. Like, you just asked for twenty to twenty-five million. Keep the money and say, "Oops, goodbye." Now, does it surprise me? No, absolutely not. It's a government entity. But that said, pretty weird, man. Like, I don't understand actually half the crap that like 
our funding gets allocated toward, and then we just don't ever hear about it. It's by an unelected bureaucrat. It's It's by someone who's unelected. Yeah, so $25 million just from waterfall hunters? Yeah. That's just from waterfall hunters. From their federal stamps. I don't know. Well, it's just like, let's just say all the conservation. From federal waterfall stamps. They asked for twenty five grand from like the pool, yeah, probably yeah. that was taken from the outdoor fund. Yeah, and then wow, they allocated man. it towards that, and they're like, "Sorry, they shut it down indefinitely." Do they have like a plan in place for when this is going to reopen? No, no, there is zero plan for reopening. No plan. They have suspended their waterfowl hunting. That's so crazy to me. So it's like, how many people? Yeah, because twenty five million. I don't understand where that money would go if it's hunting license, fishing license. No, I'm and, saying like twenty five uh, million donations. What are they doing with the money? Like, what does it take twenty five million dollars to run? I don't know, because it's just a refuge. I'm sure they have staffing stuff, but not twenty five million. No, to facilitate waterfowl. That's what it said. Yeah, so I'm saying like yeah, staffing like managed hire out. three people. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Maybe instead of making getting to be a <laughs> DNR officer so strenuous in so many years, why is it and so having hard? such a clean record? Maybe that's why you're having staffing issues. Why is it so hard to become a DNR officer? I don't know. I don't know, but I've heard some struggles from people trying to. Yeah, me and then too. after like an eight year process, they're just like, "Oh, sorry." Well, you know, Alyssa wanted to be a DNR officer. Your sister? Yeah, and she has a. Um, Wildlife degree of some uh, sort? Yeah, like an ecology or something like that degree that would like totally set her up to be able to go into doing that. And they were like, yeah, um, we don't, haven't had any spots open in a while. If you'd like to volunteer, right? you know, you can volunteer, f- you know, for what we do. And so she's like, mm, I have a college degree, so kind of looking for a job, mm-hmm. you know, but that's like literally what they say. So you have to, you would have to like volunteer and then hopefully wait that there's a spot that'll open up. Do you think it's more just like spots though? Like that's what I don't know. Is it strenuous because they just don't need more people? Well, they don't. Applying they don't have job? the budget to employ that many more people, is my guess. Yeah, because I know a lot of people who have wanted to become a DNR officer, and they were told they had to wait like a long time. I I've hunted with a guy, or no, remember that young kid we met at Tucker Apold's bachelor party? Um. I still follow him on Instagram. He's cool. Oh, he, yeah, me he, too. Yeah. He works for the DNR. Yep. And he had to wait. Uh, he did, like, their intern program, if I can remember right. Well, he was, like... So he wasn't paid. He was in college when we met him. Right. It was, like, a summer internship. Like, he started when he was young, getting okay. into the program, so I think he had preference points or however you want to say it. That's but so he crazy. still had to wait. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, a super hard thing to be able to finally do. Who was, um... The other guy that we had hunted with, Lance Kramer's buddy. Um, oh, um, Shane. Shane, yeah. Yeah, he's a DNR Shane officer. Zavodnik. Yep. Yeah, dude, he's a DNR officer. And I know he was like a police officer for the interim. He was oh, like, shit. just, I think, just waiting. I could be wrong on this. But he's working, he was like working some other job waiting for a chance to become a DNR officer. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's insane. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, is there, like, I just can't, it's hard to believe there's that many people lined up to be a DNR officer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about doing it at one point in my life, and then someone who was in the program for six years. Yeah. Training to become one went to all the schooling necessary, and then got told at the last minute that he couldn't be one because of something on his record from when he was 11, which is just insane to me. And he's like, you know what? Like, they are so selective in getting in there. He got in trouble when he was 11, and because of that, he couldn't become a DNR officer. That's so insane, dude. So after yeah, I heard that, shocking. I'm like, after I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm good. Yeah. It's probably not the place for me to work. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm I'm shocked by it. So um, have people, like, started to petition or say anything? Like I, This is the first that I've heard of it is Sean yeah. posting about it, and then I read a different article about it, and... Yeah. uh it's real, first of all, and then also it just looks, it's just a waste of our money. It's like we pour all that money into it to not reap any of the benefits. Now, if they're like, let's cool it for five years for production, totally get it. Yeah, if there's a reason and like a plan for how that's going to go, I think that there's a lot more understanding of it. But just to be like, yeah, we're just like good on that for a minute. 
and then say pretty much nothing else, that's that's kind of shitty. Right. Do. Well, it says, <laughs> yeah, in the first line of the email, Swan Lake National Wildlife Refuge will be suspending its waterfowl hunting program indefinitely due to the shortages in staffing and workload demands. So they don't even plan on reopening it. And like, Swan Lake wait, is a big deal. They don't plan on reopening it at all? It said indefinitely, which means forever, if I'm not mistaken. Indefinitely. Yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah. essentially, it's like without end, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never That's, ever. Holy shit. Yeah. And then they just took 25 mil. Oh, okay. That sounds fair. That's sounds crazy. Good. So Missouri doesn't have a whole lot of public refuges like that. They have three, I'm pretty sure, in that area. And Swan Lake is a big one. Wow, man. And if I'm not mistaken, Swan Lake is the one where you draw. And so someone is hosting the draw and, like, telling people where they can and can't go. And they check their birds after they're done. If I can remember right. It's one of those weird places you have to get there early, put your number in. And if you draw a blind, then you can go out there for the day. That's what you think that, that refuge is? I think so. Okay. I could be wrong. So I'm sure someone will tell me that I don't know anything about Swan Lake because I don't. But yeah. I've been told about those refuges down there, and it's all flooded corn. Really? Mm-hmm. Wild. That's kind of crazy. I wonder, like, I mean, I'm, ass- I'm assuming they're still going to, like, work on management of the I'm sure land in some way I would think yeah but they're probably just not they're probably just not drawing essentially they're like you can't hunt here anymore Mm -hmm. essentially yeah like yeah we're gonna keep doing our thing but just no more hunting for ducks and geese it's ridiculous so that so it's a staffing issue they said nothing to do with populations or whatever Joe no wow so and I'm surprised they haven't done that yet here yeah just because of how our politics are going it was just like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. But, I mean, they kind of did that on Mille Lacs and, and all those lakes with walleye fishing so many years ago. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy. I don't – well, and that's the whole thing. Like, I think Minnesota has a pretty good DNR base, I would say. I mean, we're a pretty outdoorsy state for the most part, too, because you also have so much with, like, fishing and, like, Boundary Waters Canoe Area. Like, there's a, a – I think they're – like I like I'm gonna agree with you right now. I don't know shit about Missouri if I'm being honest. Like no, I don't yeah. really know what they have there, but I don't really ever hear about Missouri being like an, a great place for all outdoor activities. You know, just through and through. So they got pretty good bird hunting. Bird hunting, yeah, probably. Yeah. But I mean, like hiking and you know trails and like stuff flat. that DNR works on. I think it's it's really good for cattle farmers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What's her face lives there? What's her face? Uh, the gal from Sitka. Uh, she just had a kid. Yeah, she I, just had yeah, a kid. What is her name? I don't know. I forget. Carter, Whatever. you know you her know name? Couldn't about, tell you. Man. Blonde, super pretty. Couldn't tell you. <sighs> I don't remember. I want to say Alexis. I don't think it is, but she's like ag talk with Alex. 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 Uh, Alex. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they shoot a lot of big deer down there too. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So cool. like. Hunting and fishing, they probably got some cool shit. But anyway, no, yeah. I'm sure they'll try to implement that here in Minnesota too and just continue to push me out of the state. I'm getting really sick of this place. Yeah, they well, they don't like your kind around these parts. Right. If you know what I mean. Straight white male. Yeah, just in right? general, you like hunting and fishing and like... Outdoors, outdoor- man. You, don't need the government. I mean, yeah. No, they hate you here. Yeah. You're they a don't like piece me. of shit. <laughs> Get out. Just in general, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we go into just the tip, I wanted to talk about Sound Gear. And Sound Gear sponsors Midwest Flyways, and we absolutely have noticed a difference, at least for me, in terms of being able to wear hearing protection without it pissing me off. Because the foam plugs were like probably one of the worst things in my life. Or not just only remembering them, but then also like reusing them for too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they just stay in your bag and they're like dirty and gross in there, that's just a per- that's a perpetual problem if mm-hmm. you're a foam ear plug guy. And if you're a no ear plug guy, then a perpetual problem is someday you won't be able to care if you have ear plugs in because you can't hear anything anyway. Uh, so that said, get a pair of Phantoms. I think they're fourteen hundred bucks. Yep. Yep. They're fourteen hundred dollars. It's Save your totally a worthy life. investment. One hundred percent. You get fitted. It's a custom mold. 
They have millions of dollars spent just trying to figure out how to make this good for you. And it's made by the largest hearing aid company in the world. Yeah, I don't know if they are, but no, we it just is. say that. It are is. you sure? It's global. Okay, don't yeah. care. Either way. <laughs> huge, huge Starkey. Yep. And um, anyway, also you can use code MWF125 to get 125 bucks off their introductory part product, which is an instant fit. Still electronic, really nice product as well. So that makes Go it Go check it out on their bucks. website. Soundgear.com. Thank you. So my tip is, and I didn't even think of this. I just did it. So we've been buying a lot of uh, raw milk and fresh farm eggs. And uh, so I, I go out to this place in the middle of nowhere, and I notice so many pigeons everywhere. And I'm like, hey, if you want me to shoot some pigeons for you, I certainly can. Also, I love to duck and goose hunt. And they're like, well... We don't want anyone shooting near the cows and this and that. People ask us every year to goose hunt our pasture and it has a big pond out there and I'm just salivating as she's saying this. And she's like, yeah, but we don't let people goose hunt. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it scares the cattle. I've never noticed it scaring cattle in my area, blah, blah, blah. Pick up my milk, pay for it, I'm out. She texts me one day and she goes, hey, these pigeons are out of control. I need you to come and shoot them. I was like, cool. So I was like, I need to get milk anyway. Picked up three gallons of milk nice. and uh, head out there and shot 10 pigeons for 25 shells. Not bad, honestly. Pretty proud of that. Not, not, not bad. bad at all. And uh, they didn't let me pay for the milk, which is pretty cool. And then she goes, well, yeah, if you want to shoot geese out here, you know, in the fall, as long as you don't scare the cows, because I didn't, I didn't see him like kicking every time you were shooting. I was like, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, like I was trying to tell you. And she goes, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can come and goose on here anytime you want. Just let me know when you're coming. I'm like, that's awesome. Absolutely. So my tip for you is to start getting permission now. Start finding pigeons. You know, if it's a grass field and you know it's a good flight line, you're going to get goose hunting permission there if you have a good rapport with them. Yes. Pretty cool. So that's my tip of the week. I love that. Okay. I remembered my tip now. Thank God. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, okay. My tip is one that I think a lot of new guys, maybe it takes a little bit of time to start to realize. But when you're scouting and you find a field that has birds in it, I think a lot of people, A, get pretty excited and then kind of forget maybe there's like a little bit of a mental checklist if you're actually going to hunt this field. All right. So my tip for you is when you find a field with a bunch of birds in it, you need to take down a few mental notes. Okay. So Three mental notes that I think are super important to try and think about. Number one, where are you going to hide? All right. So you get excited. It's a great, it's a great spot, you know, whatever, blah, blah. We got permission. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> like, oh shit, is there a tree line there? Is there, is it tall grass? I kind of forget. I can't remember what's between the two fields, whatever. And you're calling all your buddies and everyone's coming. But you still have no idea exactly how you're going to set up. And I can't tell you how many hunts I've been on where it's just like dudes walking out. People don't know if it should be an A-frame or a layout situation. But we brought A-frames. So that's what we're doing. And then you're just like, well, where are we putting it? And then people are arguing about the sun. So think about that. You find the field. Figure out where you want to hide in that field where you think is going to be a good spot. Number two, what, what numbers of birds are in the field and how are they positioned? Right? Is it really clumped up? Are they super tight? Are they spread out? Is it small family groups? Is there 100 birds? And be realistic. Or are there 500 <laughs> birds? Okay. Or are there 20 birds? Or are there 20 birds? Right. Right? And so I think a really important thing is when you're setting a decoy spread, you want to mimic what you saw. If you're hunting 100 birds and you have 400 decoys in a field and they were in family groups and you have 400 pack just clumped up like a pile of shit... It's going to be pretty hard probably to convince those birds. It's the same thing you saw yesterday. Come on down. Okay. The last thing that I think is totally overlooked, where's the field approach? Okay. <laughs> How many phone calls do you make? And you're like, where do I enter the field? Where do I drive in? And they're like, uh, well, I'll be there in a couple minutes. Just pull over by it and then I'll see you there. Think of where the field approach is in relation to the, the road that you're on. And then you can tell people it's half mile up on the north side from County Road 472 or whatever it is. 
me, so those those are the three things. Me and my buddies, I made them get Onyx, and whenever we go to hunt a field, I make them send me a pin for where the field approach is yeah. so that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. yeah, just put your Onyx pin on the field approach. Yep. But some way, somehow, those three things should pop into your head when you find a field before you <laughs> frantically start calling your buddies and telling them that's where you're hunting. Yeah, I I think that's an incredible tip. And I think you're only missing one thing. Yeah, add to me. I want to add, the one thing is, where are the birds coming from? Yeah, big one. Where are the freaking birds coming from? Well, they're coming from all directions. Hey, man. No, they're not. (laughs) Yeah. No, they're not. Are they coming from the east? Are they coming from the north? Yeah. Okay, now let's set up our blinds accordingly. Because how many times do you have the wind at your back, and that's where the birds are coming from? Everyone's dicking around in their blinds. Yep. And it's like... Oh, well, the birds, oh, yeah, the birds keep coming from behind us, dude. So we should probably side shoot them so we can see them from further away so we're not spooked by them. And then also, if it's a traffic spot or a feed. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. Makes a huge difference when you're setting up your spread, your hide, everything. So I think it's a great tip. Yeah, for Uh, sure. One of the best guys that I've ever, you know, heard about slash seen scouting that I really just enjoyed watching his process work as a guide. Uh, his name's Hunter Bedenbau. He okay. was a guide for Dry Creek Outfitters. Oh, okay. Okay. Young dude, and he's he's got a college degree and has moved on to doing his, you know, career. But he was there for a, a year, and Russ, Russ loved him. And um, so he would go scout, dude, and he would take notes. So he would have, like... Five pack at five twenty five p.m. coming from South Side, right? Or like so ten smart. pack coming from North Side at five thirty seven p.m. And he would watch a field, notate every single thing that he saw, and take full list of notes. And then he would literally just send Russ notes about his scout. Wow! And so then, like immediately, Russ is like, "I know everything about what this dude's seeing. I know where these birds are coming from. I know the roost they're on. I know the timestamps that they're getting there." And he's like, "It just, you know, really made a big difference." So, anyway, that was kind of a cool deal. Yep, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, Carter tip. Yeah, so mine is more for the uh, photographers and people just getting into the industry. Um, right now, you're a lot of people are like starting to book for their year. They're starting to get clients and stuff. Um, you, when you're starting out, you should know what you're doing it for. Are you doing it for a hobby or do you want to try to make a living? Cause that'll help you set your rates for what you want to do and be competitive with other people in the industry. Um, when I started out, my rates were really low because I was new, but it was also much lower than other new people. Cause I just didn't know. So once I asked some people and figured out what their rates were, I was able to be more competitive. Um, so I didn't undercut the rest of the photographers. And obviously that depends on like where you're taking photos or videos at because a small outfitter here in Minnesota, I'm obviously going to have to charge less than a big duck camp or outfitter in Arkansas when I go. Yeah, it depends on where you're photographing and what they expect of you, I'm sure. Absolutely, yep. And if you undercut the industry, it devalues it for everybody else. And then in the future, if you try to make a career, then you're kind of screwing yourself over for if you're charging way lower than everybody else. You might be getting a lot more business, but you could be getting more money in the same amount of business if you just raise your prices a little bit. Yeah, man. That's a great tip. And my question to you would be, what's your best advice then for like how people could actually get you know, like advice on pricing? Like, How have you learned and how can they learn quicker? Just reach out to guys on Instagram. Yeah. They, all, most of them are willing to give you a ballpark of what they charge. Um, try to reach out to people that are your same level. Like if you just started year one, don't ask Wade Shoemaker what he charges and charge right, that. Right. that. That just doesn't you make any sense. You won't get any work. No, exactly. You won't grow. Reach out to some people that are around your same level or been doing it the same amount of time so you can try to be competitive with what they offer um, and not just undercut everybody else. Yeah, that's a great tip. That actually goes for influencers too. 100%. How many guys are on a pro staff somewhere doing 200 photos a year for a 30% discount? Hey, guess what, dude? In the real world, not the hunting industry, those companies would have had to hire a photographer at a day rate. They would have had to stage and set up the photo shoots or the hunts or whatever it was. And then they would have to go there and all year they'd be paying people who do it for a living to create those photos, those videos, all that stuff. 
And when you're just turning stuff in, right, these companies don't have a reason to pay for it. So if they're getting it for free, every other influencer that's doing what you're doing or wants to grow and wants to help people learn about duck or goose hunting or whatever, they're kind of feeling that in the back end too. Well, and just even to touch on that, if you really think about what you're doing, like if you have a following and what you're doing and people are watching your stuff, you're essentially advertising and marketing for those people for free yes, or a discount. And it's like, damn, if you're really hunting and you're really putting out a lot of content, you have to know your worth like yeah. 100%. And you have to think of it from like, um, like a business perspective of like, oh my goodness, I am advertising for free for this person. Why am I doing that? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the reality is too, like you have to understand if you're going to start to do something like Midwest flyways, or if you want to start a business, whatever it is, right? If you come out of the gates, the reality for you is you need to grow your awareness. You need to grow. Okay. And that takes time. So be prepared for the long haul. Like if you want to do it, do it because you love it. Don't do it for the money. Cause I can promise you seven years in, it ain't worth the money. <laughs> so yeah. I'm telling you, the thing is though, is like that money will grow whether or not you've gotten it before as your following grows. So the more people that see you, the more you're worth, right? And your sponsorships and everything should grow. But if you're in a place where you're getting offered like discounts, but you have to turn in a bunch of stuff, dude, you're better off just buying the shit at full price or not buying it at all. And then growing your following for a couple of years. Absolutely. Just wait, dude. Those, you know? When it comes to discounts and stuff, I'd say that's 50% on the photographer and the 50% on the company. Like companies should be paying people for their content. Yeah. Or at least giving them free product. Yeah. You know, a trade of gear and value, essentially, you know, discounts, dude. The other thing is the minute you're a discount guy, if you turn in 200 photos of you for a year for a 40% discount, they will not pay you. No. You're not going to get paid for your media. There's a precedent sent, and then it also Correct. screws over other people. Yes. when you start asking for money, they're just going to move on because people will send them in free photos exactly. for a discount. Exactly. Yeah, so don't uh, hurt the industry, guys. <laughs> don't, don't hurt any industry. Yeah. Don't do anything for free. Don't do anything for free, yeah. honestly. Unless it's worth doing. <coughs> for right. Them. Anyway, okay. Uh, worst. Yeah. Oh, let's... I have another topic. Let's do a topic, then we'll bounce back. All right. Okay. So um, another thing that's kind of interesting based on what you said earlier was I was reading an article that Wildfowl had posted, um, and it's talking about sea duck hunting numbers. And essentially, like... Yeah, this is really interesting. It's really I'm... interesting. Okay. So essentially, what they said is happening is, especially in Maine, populations of sea ducks have, like plummeted like they're dying or they're migrating uh it's hard i mean they don't know why i mean they're just finding out how many sea ducks there are so there's less of them reproducing they're dying whatever it is there's a bunch of things they talk about in here that are related to it so i can is get it into, i can get is it um before you ask me a million questions no it's just one question so okay. is this going off of like how we do it in the spring like there's this many mallards in this region this year, and that's down 20% from last year. Like, are they looking at their winter breeding grounds, or are they looking at their um, breeding grounds? Did I, I mean, just say the same thing twice? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Their winter... Um, nesting grounds. Nesting grounds. Thank you. Good Lord. <laughs> their winter nesting grounds or their breeding grounds in the spring? You know, Joey, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Um, and I can try to find out a little bit more about this and follow up next week. But I did read quite a bit of this article and started to kind of look at the different parts that are causing an issue. The big area that's an issue is Maine. Okay. And so I guess in Maine, they have like a massive drop off in sea duck numbers. And you know that last year, Washington closed Harlequin. Yeah. You know, so Washington was having major issues with Harlequin. And so they're completely not huntable in Washington anymore. And in Maine, they're seeing tons of ducks leave the Maine area and migrate to the Great Lakes. Okay. And so now birds are roosting, nesting, you know, reproducing in the Great Lakes area. They're not doing it in Maine anymore. And big reason for that is because the water in Maine has significantly gotten warmer, Joey. 
So like essentially what's causing, they say it's climate change. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. climate change, rising temperature of water and it is right. The temperature of the water in Maine has obviously very clearly risen. And so what's happening then is mostly a huge food source for these sea ducks in Maine is uh, blue mussel. And the blue mussel can't survive in warm water sure, as easily. And so these ducks are losing a massive amount of their diet. And so because of that, they're being forced to kind of change where they're going. So it's interesting for us because obviously Lake Superior is in Minnesota. And we live in an area that's reasonably close, you know, within 10 hours or so of the Great Lakes area. And you see duck hunting in Green Bay. Did you see a lot of sea ducks last year? No, I only saw scoters and uh, longtails. Okay. And he said that the population has gone down yeah. in that area. So maybe this is will be the influx that they need. But I don't know. I just, the tough part, the, the part that I don't understand about it, right, is that these sea ducks are in the ocean. So they're used to salt water. And then they're just switching to fresh water. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. They don't rely on the water necessarily to be salty. No, but... They're relying on the conditions to be cold for food source and for what they're used to for their breeding grounds. I just wonder what that'll do with predators and, like, the effect that they will have on these freshwaters, you know? Yeah. So they'll probably have less predators, I'm guessing, because there's bigger fish to eat them in the ocean. And a lot of those sea ducks are diving 50 to 150 feet deep. I know the old squad dives up to 130 to 150 feet to eat its food. Which is insane. Which is insane. insane. And then eiders also dive a very long way down. How and long so, can those ducks hold their breath? I don't know. Or Probably like, like 10 minutes. Air. Probably like 10, 10 minutes? I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, if they're going down that far, like think about... With buoyancy, they would take them a long time to get down that far. I'm just looking it up. But think about it. So, like, they're going to probably, I, I don't know how many there are, but maybe they'll deplete the freshwater source of food that they're going after. It's kind of like zebra mussels in Minnesota, right? In yeah. Minnesota, they um, they started getting zebra mussels, and so what they did is they introduced... um a type of northern, or maybe that wasn't Minnesota. I can't remember. But a we fish? have, yeah, it's like a snake from Russia, from the Black Sea, what? and it's completely <laughs> taken over. What? Yeah, it's like a it's like a northern pike. It might not have been Minnesota. Turbot? No. I don't know. It's the snake looking thing. I think it looks gross. Yeah, but the DNR, whenever they try to look, correct something like that, they mess it up, and they just. They try to introduce a new species to the area, and then it has a problem, you yep. know? So I'm wondering if a mass migration of sea ducks into the Great Lakes will cause some sort of a problem, but I don't think we have that many of them. Yeah, like I have no... sea ducks I, in I, general. And who knows, like, what a massive, you know, like, move. I It just says that there's a shift that's occurring where ducks are now starting to shift to the Great Lakes mm. instead of being in Maine. So kind of, I don't know, kind of an interesting thought, but yeah, and in general, there are more migrations or there are more, um, ducks that are like getting, essentially they're starting to regulate pretty much everywhere as well. So like obviously Maine, you know, having issues, all those, all those different places have also like shortened their seasons quite a bit. So it used to be a 107 day season until 2017, now it's a 60-day season. Used to be seven birds, no more of no more than four of each kind. Now it's four birds, no more than three. So, like, everywhere is totally taking a stand. And, obviously, Washington cutting Harlequin. You can't even hunt Harlequin in Washington anymore. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of an interesting thought. But it also says in here, which I wanted to ask you about, Joey, it says that there's a lot more... Uh, people that are now actually going and hunting sea ducks. It says that waterfowl hunters are in droves going to hunt sea ducks. So like sea duck outfitters and whatever are busier than they've ever been. So I don't, you know, they are saying that obviously they can show some data that relates back to saying that hunters are obviously hurting the species in some way with this. And so that's that's the, the easiest thing. A DNR guy was interviewed and he's like, dude, if I'm going to level with you, 
the easiest thing for us to cut is hunting. We don't have like any type of control over what mother nature or like anything else does. So when people get upset and they're like, well, it's not because of hunting, you know, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, we know it's not maybe because of hunting, but what else are we going to change? We call God and change the weather because that's not how this is going to work. You know, so he's like tough luck, but one of the only things we can control is hunting. So I don't know, kind of interesting. It made me think a little bit too, though, um, just about like, do you think that if they needed, is it, is any way conservation a money issue at this point? You know, like does more money do more for conservation at this point? Or do they just like have enough, like what more conservation can happen from more money? Is it strictly just like more land that they could then buy and manage? Is it like, I don't know. Cause man. there's so many different groups in this, right? Cause it's ducks unlimited. It's Delta waterfowl. It's all these different things. And I don't know, just the thought I was having about it. I don't know. I, what I've noticed, especially with like the EPA, especially with like the EPA is whenever the government intervenes with this stuff, yeah, they mess it up. So like I was talking about the zebra mussels, they don't have any known predator in the wild in the United States. And so the DNR introduced this fish from Russia. I cannot remember it, but they eat zebra mussels. However, it was easier for that fish to become a predator fish and nothing ate that fish. So that fish was just terrorizing all the other game fish in those waters that they introduced them to. And then also there was something on the Colorado River where they dumped 4 million gallons of waste into the Colorado River. It's never going to be the same. What was they, the reason? They turned it straight yellow, the river. And so it's like, I can't remember. I think they were helping. Um, there was like a, a project that needed to happen near the river, something to do with sewage or waste, something. I can look it up at some point it's definitely all over the internet i think it was like six seven years ago and the epa got involved and they dumped like four million gallons of waste no one got fired no No. one went to jail nothing completely ruined the river and so i feel like the more we try to get brown it was yellow for like two years Uh, radioactive (laughs) something but um no i just feel like Every time we try to intervene in nature, it never works out. Right. So I don't think money is necessarily an issue. I think it's I think it's us taking away the birds' habitat through commercial fishing, through commercial farming. Commercial farming to um, building cities. Yep. Building cities, taking away their physical habitat where they live. And so now they have to relocate and obviously birds are gonna die in that process. So I don't know if any more intervention is needed. I think uh, stepping back and letting nature do its thing is probably the best deal. Yeah, I think the only intervention that's needed now is, like, we're not going to stop building cities. And so we need to have habitat for ducks to be. Right. And so, like, that's what Delta, you know, Ducks Unlimited, a huge part of their initiative is just, like, buying land, you know, and actually just having managed land for ducks and geese to be on. Yeah, I think... I mean, if you think about it, bro, the entire time that, like, man has been on this planet, everything has survived, and what hasn't survived has been natural selection, right? It's like, so then we come into the picture and we start taking this stuff away from them, and, like, they're dying. So let's stop taking it away and let nature, like, we don't need to manage it. We just need to say, hey, this is how it should be. Like, this is nature. Let it be. That's my thing on it. Like, yeah, you can make a couple extra ponds and whatever, but the ecosystem's never going to be the same as if it was a normal pond or a natural pond. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I get it. Just kind of an interesting thought. I mean, there's so many different, like, things you see every year about this stuff, and it's, it's interesting because they say there's less waterfowl hunters, but then it's like, okay, yeah, but more people are chasing sea ducks. Like, are people just that much more serious about it now? I think technology allows us to now versus back in the day. Can you imagine going out on Superior in the 1800s? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to try to shoot sea ducks, bro? Yeah, what's that famous song? Uh, yo, wreck ho, of the yo, Edmund, ho. Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. I, mean, I was just singing a random pirate song. <laughs> yeah, you were for sure. <laughs> All right, let's do the worst. And before we do that. Oh, yeah. So, guys, one of our other sponsors I want to talk to you about today is Onyx. I'm actually wearing the shirt. And uh, Onyx is so necessary if you are in today's uh, digital mark or hunting. You know, if you are hunting in today's age, you need to know who owns the land, where they live, so you can go in person, knock their door, get to know them, and then they allow you to access their property. So huge and for permission. Huge for permission, but then also anything you're doing hunting, whether it's wind direction, hey, I wonder what the crops are like in that area, you can use Onyx to figure all that out. So yes. go to onyx.com and buy yourself an elite membership, especially if you're hunting out of the one state that you live in, because we hunt all over the place. So buy an elite, you're going to save so much money. And we have a discount code. It's MWF30. MWF20. 20. It's on your screen now. And Joey's done that twice. So he's going to remember next time it's MWF20. There's just too many good deals to remember, you know? I know, dude. I get that. And we offer a lot of them. I know. I like a lot. MWF20. Sorry. Onxhunt.com. Worse. I I can start right away if you want. Go ahead. I'll just, because I screwed it up. Cal, if you could tell us your worst. We're going to save yours for last. All right. Yeah, because yeah. your worst is the worst. Yeah, play the play the sound. Your the worst. Uh, the worst. The worst, dude. Do we actually need to redo that? We should. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine though. We it's should kind redo of an OG. all of our it's sounds. It's like a throwback. We should know? redo all of our sounds for sure. Yeah. Well, we need to make new sounds. The worst. Time. Um. Okay. My worst. Uh. Here's an interesting one. People who poop in five minutes. <laughs> that's the worst that's the worst dude are you kidding me why because it doesn't allow you to have enough time to have your 45 minute shit if you poop in five minutes dude you need help okay <laughs> if it, if you go into the bathroom and shit just falls out of you and it's over just like that dude then one of two things number one you have hemorrhoids for sure you just you go in there and what what is this face joey Continue your reasoning. No, yeah, so no, no, reason I'll, number one is hemorrhoids. <laughs> What's number two? If you poop in under five minutes. You're a psychopath. You're a psychopath. Yeah. Okay. No, dude, I mean, like, what do you think is an average time, amount of time to poop, though? Here, here's what I think. Ten minutes. If you can poop minutes. in under five minutes, yeah, you are so healthy. You are so healthy because I don't think we are meant to sit leaning up against a tree for 45 <laughs> minutes, I think that means that there's a problem with you because when your body has to poop, it should just come out, right? It's got to well, come out. No, but the thing is, dude, it's like you go in there, you know, you get comfy. <laughs> <laughs> you let it brew for a minute or two. You poop. You know, <laughs> you need to take a minute or two to let that poop settle. Uh, see if there's any second wave poopy. You know what I mean? And then... And then you finish the job. And dude, all in all, that's a 10 to 15 minute process. Hey. Okay. I don't know what world you're talking about, but it's definitely not yours because you take 25 to 40 minutes to shit. No. Every time. No. No. No, anyway. I'm a job site pooper. Okay. Okay. But you can't job site poop in five minutes, dude. You got to sit down, get in the mood. <clears throat> You know what okay. I'm saying? I don't want to argue with you on whether a five-minute poop is healthy or I not. I know because you don't I, take five Because I poops. know what, it's healthy. What is this, healthy? like, liver king around here, dude? <laughs> no. You seen the interview with liver king about his poops? No. Doesn't wipe. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> said said his, his poop is so clean, he doesn't have to wipe. Said he just squats and shits wherever he well, wants he's on his a, property. <laughs> well, he's a fraud, so we know that. What he's a, a fraud. Takes steroids, right? Yeah. yeah. And he definitely has, like, implants, right? He had ab implants, yep. Did he say that? Yeah, he yeah. did Why say would that. he say that? Because he felt guilty. He didn't feel guilty. Yeah, well, he lied about it for two video. plus years. Yeah. Said that he had never done steroids in his life. This is because he's eaten the caveman diet, the ancient ancestor diet. Liver king. So, but anyway, anyway I, dude, I know for a fact, you the like faster the poop, the healthier you are. If you have to sit on the fact. toilet for 25 minutes, it's not going well not for 25. you. If you have to sit on the toilet for 10 to 15 minutes, you're a normal human being. And this is the last bit I have to say okay. about it. Anyway. I treat my poop like it's a masterpiece. And what that means is rush a you don't rush a masterpiece. Yeah. I'm not pushing. There ain't no hemorrhoids here. That's right. But if you're sitting on the toilet for longer than 15 minutes, your risk for getting hemorrhoids is increased. Okay? That is 100% scientific. 
because I'm like, I'm going to get hemorrhoids if I keep sitting on the toilet for 25 minutes. Yeah. So that's too long. Um, but I guarantee you, you know, it's not healthy. Just Pooping once every three days. That's Nathaniel Kurtzweg. Yeah, that's weird. Nathaniel Kurtzweg. Now yeah, I say his last name on here. <laughs> no, it's okay. Searching him. No, it's all right. Look yeah, him up on Facebook and LinkedIn. So every three days. Look him up on LinkedIn, folks. He's got a great resume. So he, he does actually. Yeah, great no. resume. Guy poops every three days though. Pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> great guy. Great guy, but no, I poop three times a day, and Nathaniel's like, dude, that's so weird. I poop once every three days. I'm like, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. I don't. You're not eating. Right. How, how do you just no, like sit No, and it's the best here? too because I've always heard people like go to the doctor because they're like, I poop every three days. Mm. And, you know, then the doctor will say like, well, it's normal everywhere between three times a day to once every three days. But then I've had people go and be like, I poop every four days. And the doctor's like, anything's normal from four <laughs> times a day to every four days. And I'm like, I just want to know the number where they like aren't willing to lie anymore. Right. You know? You know what I do know for a fact though is if you're poop is ever black or it has black spots on it it means that you are bleeding in your intestines which is so <laughs> full-blown conversation about yeah so watch out for that because i've seen some wild colors pooping and i'm like hey is this okay and he's like yeah mustard yellow is totally fine i'm like how Stop. how is that possible why Stop. is why You're is green far. or even slightly red i pooped red one time and i was freaking out and i go am i bleeding and he goes did you eat any beets in the last two days. And I go, yeah, I had two beet smoothies from my stepmom. He goes, there you go. It turns your poop red. I'm like, unreal. So dodge such a bullet there because That's, I was so scared. It was unreal. That's insane. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway. My worst. Cal, my worst is choking. <laughs> choking. <laughs> no, no, it's so messed up, dude. So Sunday... Um, feeding my daughter and I'm giving her watermelon before like her food is like cooled down and I get it on like her tray and it's like way too big. I'm like, Oh, she's just going to like bite it. You know, she did not bite it threw it instantly in her mouth. And I'm like, okay. So I took my finger and she's biting my finger as I'm trying to get it in there. And I scoop the whole thing of watermelon out. I'm like, cool. Now I take my finger and I like crush it and like put it into multiple pieces and then she puts two of those pieces in her mouth, and she starts choking. Now, Roya is in the kitchen with me, and I'm like, she's like, Joey, is she choking? I'm like, no. Like, it's not possible. She goes, no, Joey, she's choking. And Roya gets so manic, and the baby's choking, and she's coughing. Dude, it was like easily top three moments, like worst moments of my life. I was freaking out. So we got her do? out. We got her out of the chair. Yeah. Dude, and then she like as soon as I picked her up, she went limp. I'm like, "Oh my god." And Roy is freaking out. I'm freaking out. Yeah. And I took CPR class when I was going to be a lifeguard, so like I know how to give baby CPR. It's not hard. And I'm like tapping like I leaned her down so like her head is below my knees and her butt is up to like have gravity help. Not CPR to get like the Heimlich maneuver, you mean? Heimlich, yeah. Sorry, yep. And um but they taught us that in CPR class. Okay. And I'm I'm hitting her in between her shoulder blades, and it's not coming out, dude. Like, at all. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm hitting her so hard. I'm like, oh, shit. And she's like, Joey, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. And she's, like, oh foaming at the mouth. She's turning different colors. And I'm like, holy shit. And then we bought this LifeVac device that you, like, put over their mouth. Yes, and it bro. sucks it out. So I tried doing that, but I had never read the directions. But it looks self-explanatory, right? So we put her on her back, and she's like foaming and dude I, it was so traumatic honestly holy shit i cried like two hours later yeah because like it just the like hit me hit oh you. it was yeah yeah so bad and then uh the life fact didn't work it just got like a bunch of like phlegm out of her and she's like half crying so she is breathing a little bit so whatever and then roy tries to like scoop it out of the back of her throat and pushes it down now i'm in full panic mode and this is like two three minutes bro yeah so it's like you have a very finite amount of time to like stop like keep oxygen going yes. to the brain and the the gals who own the place one of them's a doctor and i saw them pull up to work on the barn so i ran out there and she's like on a mound of shit and i'm like my daughter's choking i need you to come and help immediately and so when she got back in so when she came in like a minute later um she was like crying so i'm like she's breathing like is yeah. she okay like is this good like 
she's still like trying to cough and whatever. And she's like, well, it could be halfway down her throat, you know, like it could, like it could have gone into her lungs, you know? And so like, if she keeps coughing for the next 20 minutes, like whatever, we go to children's hospital and whatever. So that was like the most traumatic shit I have dealt with. That's insane. Oh dude, it was. So she's all right. Yeah, she's all right. She was okay. She was okay, but, you know, it just kind of puts things into perspective because we were going to, like, do a bunch of shit, like, around the house that day, and we're both just like, no. Like, we're just going to... spend time with your daughter. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, dude, it was, Yeah, that's insane. It was... Wow, man. Terrifying. So that is definitely... That sucks. ...the worst. Sorry, Joey. That's not fun. Yeah, so then I re-upped myself on how to give the Heimlich to a baby, and I was using my open palm. Like, I was using my fingers, and you're supposed to use the butt of your palm. Yeah. The heel. And what about the life fact? Did you read the instructions now? Yeah. So you have to put your hand behind their head and I was pushing it into the floor and I could tell it was hurting her. So I'm like, I can't keep doing this. You know, like what sure, am I going to like sure. bruise her brain? Yeah. If I do this, cause they're yeah. so fragile. For dude. sure. It's just like, Oh my God. So I was like pushing it. I was compressing it and then trying to suck. Yeah. It's traumatic, man. Watching your kid uh, cry and trying to breathe and like trying to save him. Yeah. Oh man. Her whole life flashed yeah. before my eyes. And, of course, I go to, like, the immediate worst solution. It's like she's she's dying. Yeah. It was rough. It's insane. It was rough, bro. Yeah, dude. I remember choking as a kid on a fish bone. So we had, like, caught a bunch of bass. Yeah. And a bone turned sideways and lodged in my esophagus. Oh, yeah. And then all the fish that I had just tried to eat at the same time with it got caught up on it. So I was stuck blocking my esophagus. I was choking so bad and I could barely breathe there, you know, so I wasn't like fully choked and my parents had to take me to the hospital the whole thing. Here's the sweet part. When I got there, because I could still breathe, barely, they had me wait in the waiting room for an hour, (laughs) barely breathing. And by the time they had actually like started to help me, my saliva going down my throat had broken down the fish enough that the fish had started to slide down and the bone was just lodged in my throat. So we went in and I got it x-rayed or whatever. And they were like, yeah, it's a small bone. It'll probably just go down his throat soon. So they did nothing. <laughs> so for then like the next few hours, I had a fish bone just lodged sideways in my esophagus and it finally went down. But what the fuck? Did I, water help at all or no? Nah, dude, water wasn't running. Nothing, just right over the top of the bone. Didn't matter. Right. I remember uh, choking at your house one time. And your mom was like kind of annoyed with me. Totally. When I was like, <gasps> I was like, I think I was just choking on popcorn or something. And I could feel it clear as day in the middle of my throat. Just like, I thought yep. I was dying. Yeah. I was panicking so bad. And your mom's like, here, eat this. Gives me a piece of white bread. Went right down. <laughs> but it still felt like I had a Some stuck. piece of popcorn stuck in my throat for like yeah. days. That's crazy. You probably just bruised, yeah, because after that it felt like that too for me, but they said it was just like bruising in the esophagus or whatever, scratches or whatever. Right. Crazy. Oh, one one more choking story, yeah. but um, you know when you were a kid, when yeah. you, uh, like kids for no reason, like those styrofoam coffee cups, like those white ones that are just oh, yeah. so generic. Oh, I know where you're going. Kids would yeah. just like bite it and like spit it out. Still do. You know, you still do that? Oh, yeah. You're insane. Um, I'm at a Twins game for my buddy's uh fifth birthday party or a uh, fifth grade birthday party and everyone's doing that and i'm like cool i'm gonna do it too you know i'm a cool kid i uh, i get bumped and i swallowed a giant piece of styrofoam yes. and i was crying i was freaking out they took me to like the sick bay in the twin stadium and they're like oh it'll It'll pass and it'll go down and I'm like, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. I'm dying. They're like, Well, here, eat a hot dog. So I ate a hot dog and it hurt <laughs> and it hurt my throat so bad that ever since then I've always been scared of like choking. So you actually did eat a piece of foam? <laughs> yeah, no, I swallowed it. Yeah. It was like a giant it was made like it this, all the way down. It was like this big, dude. It's still in your stomach, dude. Guaranteed. It's made <laughs> napalm. Yeah. It's made napalm in my stomach. <laughs> And so, so like, say you take the pop off of your, your beer or you're chewing a Zin or like tobacco or whatever. If I feel anything in my throat, my mind instantly goes to, oh, I swallowed that. 
I swallowed that. I had that in my mouth. I swallowed that. You have nails in your mouth while you're putting in a window. Did I swallow a nail? Like my entire adult life, <laughs> I am so concerned if I accidentally <laughs> swallowed something. Do you know those little uh, toys? They were like little magnet things with balls. You would like, you can make stuff. It was like a little magnet, like this big or little like stick and then magnet balls go to it. And you can yeah, make stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swallowed one of those balls when I was a kid. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> nice. still inside you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's probably made of like magnesium or something. <laughs> yeah. Lead poisoning. Yeah. Yep, exactly. 100%. Sure. Just Sorry. leeching into your body yep. over time. What do they make magnets out of? Lead. Yeah. I don't know. Do I, don't know. I don't know. I don't Lead know. Either way, it's not, it can't be good. No, it, it probably wasn't good. <clears throat> no. Yeah, I love the kids too that just like ate pennies as a kid. <laughs> Why? Dude, imagine, imagine being the kid who's just like, oh, the paint is peeling off of this house. I'm going to eat it. And so they literally had to stop putting lead in paint because so many kids across the country were eating lead paint chips. I mean, also probably not great to just be engulfed in in lead all the time. But lead paint chips, and you're like, hmm. Stop. What's wrong with you? Imagine being a dad who had chipping paint that just kept disappearing, and your kid was eating it, and you didn't fix the paint. Like, Mm. eh, it'll be fine. Oh, little Timmy's just... <laughs> you know when you meet a boomer who ate too much like You paint. eat too many uh, yeah, paint chips know. there, bud? Yeah. You're not hungry for dinner now? <laughs> so good. Oh, my gosh. Carter, before we get to your worst, uh, I do want to talk about our other sponsor for this podcast, Migra Ammunition. Guys, I, we just put out a post uh, survey done by Waterfall Hunters. Uh, what they consider to be a reliable shotgun shell, one that fires when they pull the trigger. Amazing how that's difficult, I think, to make a box of shells that does that in all the boxes. But um, tagline, we came up with it for Migra. Maybe they'll use it. Ditch the duds. Ditch the duds. So Hmm. ditch the duds, buy Migra, go to migraammo.com, and Wade added, shoot a real stack. Right. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of fake stacks coming out right now. There are some fake stacks coming out now. Yeah. Okay, watch out for those fake stacks. They're knockoffs. It's like buying a Gucci bag. You know, on, on the street. Be careful. Yeah. You know, if it's underpriced. Cheap suit. Uh-oh. Cheap suit. Cheap not suit. Real. How cheap? <laughs> so, hey, dish the duds, shoot a real stack, migraammo.com. Carter, what's your worst? Minnesota water hunting. That's it. It's just the worst thing ever. I just don't agree with you at Joey. all. <laughs> um, Do you have a I story? You, yeah, I heard you might have a story about this. Uh, yeah, I think Carter. me and Joey had a, a story that happened this uh, fall. That was a <laughs> it little... It made you rethink water Dude, hunting in Minnesota? Me, I didn't want a water hunt to begin with. Yeah, the it, bad news is now you're hanging out with us. You're yeah. going to be doing it even more. Yeah. All right, go ahead, though. Tell me the story. I, I think Joey can tell No, I thought best. I want to hear it 100% from your point of view. And I'll just interject. Don't interrupt. <laughs> I so, just I just want to hear it. Yeah, we were uh, hunting a lake out west in, uh, in a boat. Like, it wasn't a slough. It was a big lake. <laughs> uh, we set up and uh, we weren't shooting a bunch. Um, and then it was raining. It was raining. It was hard. Not, and yep. We went back to the truck to grab some food. Yeah. And then we got checked by the DNR. Yeah. And then we go back out. Yep. And all the decoys are gone. All of them. There was like five dozen. Oh, I know. I'm aware. That okay. wrapped up yep. into themselves. So they just yeah. got hung up against the bank. I mean, it was white capping. How how big do you think those waves were? They were almost going over the boat side when we were out. <laughs> were you shooting ducks? Yeah, we shot a couple. A couple. We, we shot like one. That's why he hates it. No, I was being picky though. You were? Yeah, I was being picky that day. Yeah, that's why we got a hen merg, our first duck. Yeah, because I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you were sick of it. Dude, we were passing up shit. on like just whatever puddle ducks and a bunch of mergs. And then we go in and we're changing clothing because it's cold and wet. And then get checked by the DNR, get back out there a while, an hour later, gone. We're just like, oh shit. Yep. And then we go out there, and dude, Carter is a cat. That dude is scared of water. I don't love it. No. Uh, dry, dry fields. Yeah. Are so where tell I'm me, at. you you made him get out at herd. Oh yeah. We had to. We had to. Yeah. I, you you told me he was a little concerned about it. 
We almost died. We almost died. <laughs> what? It we didn't was, almost die. You didn't almost die like the day me, Joey, and Connor almost died. No, not boat. even close, no, bro. Okay. But it close. was, we were out there trying to drag the boat, and it was the waves were pulling it away from us while yeah. we were trying to grab whatever decoys we could. How many did, you, did we pick up? A dozen, if that. That was in my boat, though, right? Yeah. So at least you had a good boat for it. Right. But the problem is, is that the waves were so large, and the water level was probably at a three and a half feet deep. And so every time a wave hit the front of the boat, bro, the prop would hit the dirt. Mm. That's how big the waves were. Yeah. Now, that's how big the waves were, <laughs> is that every time it went up a wave, you could feel the boat motor hitting the ground, and then the wind... So, like, you're going like this, you hit the ground, and then your boat would turn this way because the wind would catch you. That's what we were dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, we got to get these decoys. And Carter's like, fuck them, dude. We got to go. <laughs> and I'm like, no. This you is thought too- you were going to die, bro. I, I don't like water. You I, really thought you were in trouble. I, I, yeah. No, I, he was freaking out. I don't love water. He yeah. was freaking out. Now, I was yeah. freaking out internally. I knew we'd be okay because it's three and a half feet deep. And a big boat. In a big boat. However, getting out to grab the decoys, the the water line was like right about here with every big wave. It's kind of one of those things where you mm-hmm. jump a little bit. You got to jump into it. the wave yep, so yep. that you don't get drenched. Yep. And we recovered maybe a dozen, dozen and a half out of like five dozen that we put out. You put out five dozen like decoys four, in white caps? Four or five. No, it there was, were there was, were no white caps it before. It was glass. Oh, it was I've, glass. I've been in that same spot with you doing the same shit. Right, so then we come back, and Carter's like, well, I guess we're done for the day. And I'm like, no. No, I mean, we're here, and we've shot, like, three ducks, and I, I'm paying you to be here. We might as well just go into this little back channel and try it out. And finished up my limit, baby! Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that that was more like a little slew back where we were. That was fine. I'm just not Very big, shielded from the wind. Yep. Shielded from the but hurricane. I had, but I had never hunted in that exact spot that we were hunting. I had hunted near, the, like, the, the mouth. Well, yep. and you started out hunting, and it wasn't crazy. Right. I mean, the weather, honestly, I'm surprised that we didn't kill as many from the point that we should have. Yeah. We were seeing a lot. They just didn't care. They didn't care, and then a lot of them, like, we saw a lot of them right away in the morning, and it was kind of yeah. misty. Mm-hmm. It was, like, kind of foggy, overcast. And we've killed cows, been there plenty of times in that weather where they just appear out of nowhere, and it's like, absolutely yep done done yeah and then we go into the little back channel and i'll never forget this shot dude a flock of 15 spoonies comes through and they're at like 12 yards 15 yards from me and there was one drake like one gorgeous white drake and i'm like carter carter you see those and he had so many like little sumac trees in front of him that he couldn't really get in and focus on a lot of those birds and he couldn't see him coming Because there were a lot of birds later that day. Yep. They just kept flying and flying, and it was just straight traffic on those ducks. It it felt so good. I can't even explain it. Yeah. And then this group of Spoonies goes like this across us, and I'm like, Cardi, do you have him? He's like, no, I don't see him. You go like this, and I'm like, that one white one, and they're all so tight. One shot with my twenty gauge, dropped that white one, and I freaked out. His pants got a little whiter. It was You, You let him a canoe. Dude, I was leading them good. I was leading them really hard. And then also to pick one out of the middle, no other birds dropped. I'm pretty sure it was for the last. No, the last bird of the day was a last bird of the day was a gadwall or some shit. But it was just like I was so proud of that one shot because literally picture 15 birds in tight unison moving. Yeah. With wind. Yeah. And I'm like, boom, the one right in the middle of them drops. I'm like, <laughs> I fucking got that spoon. And yeah, I pick it up and he's like, I mean, it's okay, Joe. I'm it like, wasn't that's, great. That's not the point here. <laughs> that's not the point. I thought yeah. I, I did think that I shot a really stud spoonie at the beginning of November in Minnesota, though. Yeah. Well, I, I said it wasn't great because you were saying it was going to go on your wall because it was so perfect. And then you lifted it up and it was. It was okay. It was okay. <laughs> the, the head wasn't as I mean, green. Yeah. The white and the blue on the wings was great. The yeah. head was just kind of, it wasn't good enough yeah. for a mount. I'm just like, damn it. Mm-hmm. Kind of combine that, those wings with a better head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we were calling in mallards. Like, we were really playing with those mallards and yep. shit. <sighs> that was fun, dude. The only problem is you couldn't get them in focus with those no, damn those little trees. Little trees, yeah. It was horrible. 
and I have him clear as day in my line of sight, dude. And he's like, I can't, I didn't get that one. I'm like, fuck, you know, but it was still fun because we had gotten so defeated that day. Yep. So defeated. And to come out of there with a limit at what? Three 30 in the afternoon, yeah, four o'clock. It was like next damn. day made up for it though. Yeah. And then the next day we shot the three man limit yeah, with Isaac. Was, yeah. Oh, that felt good. That was awesome. Oh, that, that felt good. That's a good hunt. We'll talk about that next week. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. Carter, can we get some outro music? Absolutely. Um, really quick before we go, fun fact. Yeah. If you eat a banana just like out of the peel, regular, if if you okay. if you <laughs> blend a banana in a smoothie, yeah. Eight times as many calories. If you blend it? How? I was literally just watching a podcast where this guy was talking about if you eat a banana, your body metabolizes it differently than if you blend it and drink it like it's a smoothie and the sugars somehow, like in your body, process differently. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's probably harder for your stomach to digest it. It's crazy. It doesn't release as much of it. Yeah. And the dude was like, yeah, I just like, I also just started researching this because I was trying to lose weight and... When I would eat a banana, I would notice no change in my weight. And when I would drink a banana smoothie, I would gain weight. Hmm. It's like it huh. just freaked me out. So then I started like researching. He's like, so all those fat people that are trying to lose weight that are drinking smoothies for breakfast every morning. He's like, you didn't do any research. Yeah. Huh. Kind of crazy. Anyway. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. You want the ringtone? Email MidwestFlyways at Gmail. Leave us a review. Leave us a review, please. We appreciate it. We're going to get to 1,000, do a giveaway. Stay tuned. Talk to you guys soon.